Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. In this series, we have been talking about the promises of God on on a personal level. There are two levels of the promises of God. One is universal. God loves everybody. Uh, His mercy endures forever. These are the promises of God that apply to everybody. And then there's some applied promises of God that you have to, there's a, it works like this, if you, then I. That's the way, that's the way these promises work. If you, fill in the blank, then God will show up and do his part. It's a promise for you. It's a promise for your family. It's a promise for your marriage. It's a promise for your, for your, your children, for your community. It's a promise for our church. And, and we've kind of centered around four promises that I'll give you in just a moment from God that I think of the vision that God has for every life here. I think this is God's vision for your life. I think the question I get most as a pastor is, you know, what, what's God's will for my life? What's God's plan for my life? Well, I'm going to give it to you today. I think God made it pretty clear. And when I, see, when I saw it, I see it everywhere now. I, and and I, I see it all through this book that God has a plan for your life. Our theme verse, uh, if you're taking notes today, is found in Second Peter We've used this all four weeks. God's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, through the promises of God in your life, two things happen. Number one, you get to experience supernatural things in your life. I need supernatural power in my life. Can I get a better amen? I, I can't, in other words, I'm not strong enough in my own body. I'm not, I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough to do everything I'm supposed to do. I'm not, I'm not smart enough to be a good husband. All the men better amen. You're not, and some of you are real dumb, like you're on a deficiency, you know what I mean? And you got to catch up to get on the bottom level, you know what I'm saying? And that's me, and then, and then, and then, and then I got to be a good dad. And you ever looked at your kids and think, man, I'm messing this up? Anybody but me? Man, I'm messing this up. Reuben, I hope not. You've already raised yours, Jesus. Still working on it, still trying, still. I need, I need supernatural wisdom to be a good father. Amen, everybody? I need supernatural wisdom to be a good pastor and a good leader. And I need God to work supernaturally in my life to give me wisdom. When I pray, I, when, I, every single day in my time with the Lord, I ask God, God, give me wisdom beyond my years and my experiences. In other words, I need supernatural wisdom. I need to know what I don't know. I need, I need God to open up doors that I can't open. I need supernatural power in my life. And the Bible says through these promises you can participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. In other words, you can participate in the supernatural and, and the Bible says you can break the cycle of sin out of your life. If I could give you two things for the rest of my life, I would give you these two things, that God wants to do something supernaturally through you, and God wants to break you out of the cycle that you've been in the rest of your life, that you could live free and whole and delivered and fulfilled in Jesus' name. Say amen to that. And so last week we talked about uh, the promises of God. Um, uh, we use the promise uh, that I will free you. Let me give it to you in this. There are four times, four uh, uh, I will statements in the book of Exodus. If you're new to the Bible, God tells Moses, calls Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. They've been a slave for 400 years. 
400 years of slavery creates quite a pattern in your heart and in your mind. Some of y'all are just 40 years old and you've already created a pattern in your heart and in your mind. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, there are people in my church who are 30 years old, 25, 30, 35 years old and not married. And they, and they tell me, but not, not y'all, but like in first service. None of y'all, none of y'all do this. But, the, and they say, well, pastor, I just, I, mean, I just hadn't found the one. No, let me tell you what happens. You got set in your ways at 30 years old, and now you don't want to give up any of your stuff to marry somebody where you have to compromise. That's a word for some of y'all. Some of y'all need to put a ring on it today. It's a day's a day. You need to just say yes. You just get in a rut. So, so there, there are 55-year-old people in the room today, 55-year-old people at church today who you've lived a certain way so long, it's hard to think any other way. Now imagine 400 years, 400 years of slavery, 400 years of making bricks, 400 years of, of hearing that you don't have a homeland and, and that you're always going to be where you are. And so this is what Moses walks into. And God gives Moses some promises that he said, I want you to tell the people of Israel, here's my promise to them. I'm, I, it's more than just exodus. It's more than just deliver. I, I got some promises I want to do with their lives. And if you're an Orthodox Jew and you celebrate Passover with this, this celebration of the exodus, the children of Israel coming out of, uh, out of Egypt, out of slavery, they repeat these statements, these four, what they call the four I wills every time they celebrate Passover. Read it with me on the screen or in your Bible, Exodus 6 and 6. The Bible says, Therefore... Say to the Israelites, God tells Moses, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. And uh, read this underlined, I will bring you, come on, say it again, I will bring you out. I'll bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Every time you see I will and underlined, I want you to read it out loud. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians and I will free you from being slaves to them. That's what we talked about last week. And you say, Pastor, that sounds like the same thing. Like you bring me out of Egypt and then you free me being slaves. No, it's different. Because you can be out of Egypt and have a whole lot of Egypt in you. You can be out of slavery and think like a slave, talk like a slave, work like a slave. You're, it, that, the, the patterns that you've developed over your lifetime end up plaguing your future. And, and, and God says, I don't just want to take you out of your mess. I want to take the mess out of you. Right? So I'll, I'll bring you out. I will free you. Next slide. And I will redeem you. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And I will take you as my own people. And I will be your God. We talked about the three, uh, two I wills so far. The, the promise, uh, the first one is I will bring you out. That's the promise of salvation. I don't have time to teach it to you again. You can go back and watch that message that God promises to bring you out of your mess. Listen to me. If you're here today and you're far from God and you're lost, you're in a great place today because God makes you a promise. I love you so much right where you are, but I love you too much to leave you right where you are. God said, I'm going to save you. I promise you. I'll bring you out of all of that. Then last week we talked about, if you didn't catch that message, we talked about God said, I'm going to free you. That's the promise of deliverance. And I know some people think, man, Deliverance sounds, boy, that sounds spooky. Sounds like, you know, I'm going to throw up and weird stuff's going to happen. And, you know, devils come out and all that. You may, but probably not, all right? <laughs> like, you may know people like that. But anyway, that's very rare. But everybody's got issues. Every, not everybody's got devils. Everybody's got issues. 
and I need deliverance. I need freedom from my issues, all the scars and the pain. In other words, you can be saved on your way to heaven and still have all that scarring you need to take care of. I need freedom from all of that, and, and, the, and God promises you freedom. Today, I want to give you the last two, and I'm going to wrap them up together, that I will redeem you. I will redeem you. Redemption is a biblical word. It means restore means to put back to its original purpose. I'm going to restore some stuff to you. Listen to this. If you don't catch anything else, catch this today. God promises you he'll restore everything that's been broken down in your life. In other words, God tells the children of Israel, that 400 years, you didn't lose that. I'll restore that to you. And I know some of you think since the day you filed for divorce that you've lost your life. That I've lost so much time. The day the company closed and you lost your job, you think, man, I've lost so much in between there. Hear, hear, hear God's word over you today. I want you to receive this today. God is a God who restores everything that's been lost in your life. God can redeem all of that hurt and all of that pain and all of that wasted time, all of that, all of that stuff you brought in. God said, I'll not just heal you of it. I'll redeem all of that stuff. I'll put you on the right path. Then he said, I will take you as my own people. Now, there's a fifth I will in Exodus 6 that we read. The fifth I will, God said, if you'll do all of that, if you'll apply the promise of salvation and freedom and redemption and fulfillment in your life, God says, here's what I'll do for you. I will be your God. I'll be your God. I need God. I want a relationship where God goes, hey, I'm on their side. You know what I'm saying? Anybody want that kind of relationship with God? I want, I want when the enemy comes in like a I want God to go, hey, 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 I'm on their side. When, when the world's caving in, when everything's going crazy, I want God to go, hey, I got them. Everything else is going, I got them. They're, these are my people. This is, I put my hand on them and my name on them and my protection on them. Are you awake today, everybody? Uh, these are my, I'm their God. Bible says it like this. He writes the names of his children in the palm of his hand. By the way, for everybody don't think you get tattoos, Jesus has one. That was free. Anyway, he got it, he's got your name on the palm of his hand and on his thighs. What the, you read it for yourself. The Bible said he tattooed your name on his hand. That's how much he loves you. You ever, you ever write, when you, want, you forget something, you want to write it down, you write it on the palm of your hand. Jesus said, every time I look at my hand, I want to think about you. God said, I got something. I want to be their God. I want a personal relationship with them. Today I want to preach to you the promise of fulfillment in God's family. The promise of fulfillment in God's family. Now I'm going to give you some big revelations to end this series. And these are going to hurt. The first two are going to hurt. All right. I'm just warning you about that. Uh, I don't like to punch in the mouth without telling you. You know. I'm still going to punch in the mouth, but I, I want to warn you that this is coming. So get your pen ready and buckle up, everybody, because this is going to mess up some of your theology. Here's some big revelations you got to get about the promises of God. Number one, write it down just like this. God's ultimate plan for your life is not happiness. It's fulfillment. God's ultimate, write it just like that. God's ultimate plan for my life, for your life, is not happiness. It's fulfillment. And I have met a ton of Christians who believe it's God's plan for you to be happy. And I'm here to tell you it is not God's ultimate plan for you to be happy. Happiness is based on the circumstances of my life. What happens to me? Happiness is external. It's based on whether I have a good day. Happiness comes and goes. Now, to believe that God's plan is for you to be happy, that believe, you believe God is sadistic enough to make you happy and take it away. And make you happy and take it away. 
and dangle it out there in front of you and take it away. And give you a good day and take it away. And give you a good year and take it away. And God doesn't work like that, everybody. God's ultimate plan for your life is not happiness. Don't get up tomorrow and think, God, if you love me, you're going to let me have a good day. No. There are going to be stuff that happens tomorrow. 1604 is still going to exist tomorrow. And that's enough to question why God put us here. Why? Why, God? Why did they not build flyovers in San Antonio? Why, God? Why would you do this? Why? Why? You're going to get up tomorrow, and I don't care if you pray for every green light, you're going to hit red lights and be late. That's just the way the world works. It doesn't mean God's forsaken you. Are you with me? Now, I know it sounds funny, but I know people who base their whole faith on whether or not I'm happy. God never promised you. I'm going to go ahead and dig a little bit deeper than that. One of the things that happened in the last 18 months with COVID is Christians erroneously believed if I did something, God would protect me from sickness. Now listen, it's God's will to heal you, but God's not, you're, you, don't, you don't get bubble wrapped when you get saved. Christians get COVID. So if anybody told you, if you just have enough faith, you won't do that. That's, that's, that's not Bible. That's not theologically correct. God will heal you from COVID. I've seen him do that a, a, a thousand times. God God, God will work. But God's not going to bubble wrap your life. God doesn't promise you happiness. God's ultimate plan for your life is not for you to be happy. God's ultimate plan is for you to lay your head down at night and go, this is the best life. Now listen. What my hope for you as your pastor is, is it doesn't matter what happened that day. You can still lay your head down at night and say, this is the best life. It doesn't really matter if I lost my job today. Because God's ultimate plan is not my happiness. Ultimately, when I laid my head down, I know God's my provider. That's an internal thing. You can take my job away if you want to, but internally, I know God's my provider. I, I can lay my head down at night with 102 fever. Come on, everybody. And you think, man, I thought God was with me. He is because joy is on the inside. God's my healer. I choose that on the inside. Are you with me, everybody? God's ultimate plan for your life is not to make you happy. It's to make you fulfilled that your life. Jesus came. The Bible said the thief comes to to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life, an abundant life. It's fulfillment that Jesus came for. Shout amen to that, everybody. And I'm going to give you the second one. That first one's tough. God's ultimate plan is not to make me happy. It's to fulfill me. Number two, God's greatest expectation of your life is not faithfulness. It's fruitfulness. Big revelations to end the series. God's greatest expectation of your life. You say, what does God want out of me? God's greatest expectation is not faithfulness. It's fruitfulness. And I've met a lot of religious people who believe that if I'm faithful enough to this doctrine, to this thing, to that, if I'm faith, I'm just faithful. I show up. I came. I, I mean, I'm here. It's my one Sunday a month I come to church. <laughs> I'm faithful. I, I'm here. I'm committed. I've, I've been doing this since I was a kid. I got baptized when I was five. I, 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 I've been serving God since I was eight years old. I've been faithful to this. Now listen, nothing wrong with faithfulness. Matter of fact, I'm going to preach all month on it next month about being faithful and the blessing of faithfulness in your life but God's greatest expectation of your life is not faithfulness it's that your life produces something that lasts 
It's that my life is fruitful. Now listen to me. Let me confess to you. I grew up in a church that I believed as long as I was faithful to a set of rules and doctrines that God was happy with me. And I think God blessed me. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of where I come from. But I'm telling you the greatest revelation of my 20s is that God is not expecting my faithfulness to this. God's expecting me to do something with what God did for me. That I got to live a life that's fruitful. That God, when, but when you see it coming, that you go, man, there's something about that dude I like. I mean, he's short, but I like him. I, I just, something about him. I just, I just, I like, I like his attitude and, and, and I like what's, man, look at their marriage. It's not perfect. I'm not telling you God expects perfection out of you, but look at them. They're growing and they're in counseling and they're in a small group together and they're getting freedom together and God's using them. And look at that single adult over there. Man, I, lo- I don't know how she's dealt with this, but I've just watched her spirit through all of this and man, she just has an attitude of gratitude and it's fruitful in my life. God's greatest expectation is not that you're here every Sunday. I think that's important. It's not that you tithe. I think that's important. It's not that you believe a certain set of rules or doctrines in this book. I think that's important. God's greatest expectation is does my life produce fruit? Is what Jesus did on the inside of me coming out in fruit in my life? It's fruitfulness. Now listen. Here's the amazing thing about God, is if you'll get these two things right, God will fix, God will fix the happiness problem. If you, let me say it better this way. If your life will bear fruit, God will give you something on the inside that creates the most fulfillment you've ever had. Look at this in John 15. John 15 and verse 8, Jesus is teaching. If you go to John, you'll see a lot of red if you're new to the Bible, John's probably the best gospel to start with. Talks about the divinity of Christ. You'll see more red letters than anywhere else in the gospels. John 15. John just kind of quotes him all the time. So this is who he said he is. This is who Jesus said he is. John 15 and 8 said, this is to my Father's glory. Let me stop right here and tell you. If you want your life to glorify God, whatever comes next is what you need to do. This is to my Father's glory that you believe the right thing. This is to my Father's glory that you vote the right way. Nope. This is to my Father's glory that you, that you dress the right way, do the right thing. To, nope. This is to my Father's glory. In other words, your life can glorify God if you do this. That you bear much fruit. You need to underline that and put that as a life verse in your life. That to glorify God in my life, it's not about faithfulness. It's about fruitfulness. My life's changed on the inside. And here, here's what Jesus said. If you'll do that, you will show yourselves to be my disciples. In other words, people will look at your life and they'll go, man, I don't know how they're happy through all this. Man, I don't know, but I can tell you, they're different. They don't talk like that. They don't think like that. Man, they give. They, they're generous people. Man, they're just attitude. Somebody on your job will go, I don't know what it is, but man, there's something about you. And you're going to be able to say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because of what Jesus did on the inside. Faithfulness is the root. I'll deal with roots next month. But faithfulness is what, is what, is what all that root system is. But God says, if you'll get all that right, you'll get some fruit in your life and you'll bear fruit such that the whole world will go man that's a disciple of Jesus right there man those people are different man there's something about that and then if you'll skip down listen that's verse 8 skip down to verse 11 here's what he said I have told you this Jesus says look at this I've told you this 
so that when the, when the stock market crashes, when, when you lose the business, when things go crazy, when you lose your job, when you're sick in your bed, when, when you don't know what's happening, I've told you all of this. I've told you, if you'll be a fruit-bearing Christian, if your life will bear much fruit, I've told you all this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now look what God does. God says, I tell you what, I expect fruitfulness out of your life, but I'll throw in joy. What a God. I expect you to, I expect your life to be fruitful and that you and that you do something with your life and that your life matters and that it produces something. And God says, if you'll do that, I'll take care of that inner stuff that you've been working on. God, I feel like preaching right now. I'll take care of all that depression you've dealt with for the last two decades. He said, I'll put my joy inside of you and I'll make your joy complete. You'll be able to lay your head down at night and go, that's what this whole life was about. <laughs> That's what my whole life is all about. I got fruitful and suddenly I got joyful. When I meet sad, pathetic, poor mouth Christians, it, I, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, it's because your whole life's about you and not about producing fruit where Jesus is pleased with that. Because when you do, I'm telling you, you'll live with so much joy on the inside of you. It'll be, God says, I'll put my joy in you and your joy will be complete. If you're fruitful, God puts his joy in you. Now, here's what I know about fruitfulness. I know that it doesn't come by yourself. Now, listen really closely to me because some of you don't believe this, but you can be wrong. You can get saved with just you and Jesus. You are saved by faith through grace alone. Saved by grace through faith alone. You are saved. It's you and Jesus, and you can go to heaven. But you cannot mature and bear fruit by yourself. It's impossible. Well, me and Jesus, we got a deal. You know, I got saved when I was six, and I just, you know, church has kind of let me down. I'm sorry, church let you down. But I'm telling you, you cannot grow up, get mature, and bear fruit by yourself. You can take a lemon tree and you can go throw it in the backyard. And it can be planted in the backyard. But if you don't water it, you don't fertilize it, you don't go out and mulch on it, you don't love on that, you don't, you don't put it in the sunlight, you got to sing to it. Come on, everybody. You gotta, you know, like, you, if you don't talk to them plants, where's all my crazy plant ladies? I knew. I knew. You're easy to tell. You're easy to spot. I, I can, listen. If you, don't, if you don't sing to it and, and talk to it, come on, everybody. <laughs> you, and when you do, what happens? It grows. It grows. Look at me. It can't do it on its own. It can be a lemon tree on its own, but it can't grow on its own. And you can be a Christian with just you and Jesus, but you need a family. You need a household of believers who you get around and say, man, I'll fertilize you. I'll help it. I'll, I'll grow this with you. We'll, we'll do this together. We'll pray this through together. We'll serve together. Come on, we'll, we'll get on board together, and I'll help you grow, and you help me grow, and when we get to heaven, we'll show all the fruit that we had, and we did it together, everybody. You can't bear fruit alone. I, I'll show it to you. Exodus 6. Remember, flip back, Exodus 6. I'll just read it to you right out of this book because y'all don't believe me. Y'all believe me, you'd amen. He said, Exodus 6, Therefore, 
Say to the children of Israel, I'll bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I'll rescue you from their, I'll free you from their bondage. I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgment. Verse 7. And I will take you as my, I will take you as my, I, I'm going to say it to you, you, y'all say it. I will take you as my, write this down. God's promise is not to make you a fulfilled person. God doesn't promise to make you a fulfilled person. He promises to make you a fulfilled people. You got to catch that because you'll miss, I'm telling you, you'll miss this whole message if you don't catch. God does not promise you fulfillment individually. God promises you fulfillment. The first three I wills come from God. They're all about you. I, I, I'll bring you out. I'm going to free you from being slaves and I'll redeem you. But when he, when he takes you with that outstretched arm and that mighty acts of judgment, when he does that, he said, now I'm going to put you with a bunch of other people. And he says, when you get with a bunch of other people, it's amazing what will happen. Ultimate fulfillment comes out when you find your family. When you, when you get in that family and you go, man, now I got identity. Now I got a people. Now I'm not just a slave who was born on the backside of Egypt. Now I'm a people. I'm a part of something. And from that moment on, they're known as the, the people of God. They're the children of Israel. There's a family. Every, every time he talks about them from that moment forward, he talks about the flock of God, the family of God. The Bible talks about you in group terms after you get saved and you get free. Now he says, I want to put you with a bunch of people who can help you grow. Who can help you get fulfilled. God doesn't promise to make you a fulfilled person. He promises to make you a fulfilled people. And then the Bible says, I will be your God. If you want God to get involved in your life, you're going to have to get involved in God's church. If you want God to get involved in your life, if you want God supernaturally to make way for you, you're going to have to decide, you know what, I'm going to get with a group of people who are doing this. Here's what I believe. I don't know this to be true. When we get to heaven. If it's wrong, come find me, okay? Come tell me it's wrong. Reuben, I don't think God would have parted the Red Sea for one person. I don't believe that. I do not believe God would have parted the Red Sea for one Israelite. I believe God parted the Red Sea for all of the Israelites. Because if you want to see miracles and supernatural stuff and God do amazing things, you got to get with some people. And God said, I'm, I'll make you a fulfilled people. I want to teach you for just a, a few moments. And, and I, you're just going to have to sit through this and then, and, then, and then I'll get somewhere. But I was studying for this message and was reading about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you're a psych major in college, you've probably read about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Maslow was a psychiatrist in 1943 who developed a pyramid, what he called the hierarchy of needs of humanity. And if you'll draw this in your notes, you'll draw a pyramid. I did put it on the screen, but I want, I want to walk you through it. On the bottom of that pyramid, that base level, the biggest level, this is the most basic needs that every human, according to Maslow, that every human has. That this is the thing that, that is important the most to me. I, and it's, 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 uh, it's a motivational theory. In other words, uh, if I don't have these needs met, I'm motivated to get them met at whatever level I have to, right? I'll show it to you. So the most basic needs uh, are at the bottom. And then the closer you get to the top, this is, this is the way that he described it, this hierarchy of needs. 
is that you find meaning in your life the further you go up. So my basic needs are met, and then, I, and then as other needs are met in my life, then I find meaning. Now, just follow me. There's seven in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. On the very bottom floor of this pyramid is physical needs. In other words, if you don't have these met, you'll do any, you're motivated to do anything you possibly can to get these met. It's air, it's food, it's water, it's shelter, it's warmth, it's sleep. Like, if you're homeless, if you're outside, if you're, if you're hungry, come on, some of y'all know what it's like to be so hungry, you'll do just about anything. Come on, everybody. You just get hangry. You know what I'm saying? And you, you will cut somebody that gets in the way. Of you getting fed. Like, this is a, but this is true. Think about it. You have babies. If your babies are hungry, listen to me. Nothing else matters but meeting this need. Are you with me? All right, this is the most basic thing. After that, again, remember, as we work up this pyramid of needs, it leads us to what Maslow calls the, the meaning of life. So if my physical needs are met, the next need I have are safety needs. These are protection from the elements. You know, I don't, if I'm homeless, I don't just need a house. I need, I need a roof so it doesn't rain on me. I need warmth. I, I need security. I need stability. I need law and order. I need limits in my life. It's, it's safety. That's the second, it's the second layer of needs, physical and then safety. And, and then you start moving up. Now we're about a, a third of the way up this triangle are love needs. In other words, this is just what psychologists say, psychiatrists say, are the hierarchy of needs in your life. You need your basic needs met. You need safety. Now you need love. These are belonging to something and family and affection and relationships. And, and, and I, need, I need something. I need, I need my people in this one. And then you keep going up. Now we're getting closer to the top. Now there's esteem needs. You know, I need to be recognized. I need uh, my achievements to be uh, uh, recognized. I need to be complimented. I need to be appreciated. This is just, psychologists uh, agree that as you move on up and my basic needs are met, now I need someone to recognize what I do. And then there's some new ones on the list. There's four more, but three of them are new. The next one is cognitive needs. Cognitive needs means I need to know things, right? So we're headed towards the meaning of life, and we've got food, and we got safety, and we got we, we got security, we got all that, uh, all that moving up. We got love, we got self-esteem. Now I, need, now I need to know some things. I need to know how the world works and why it did what it did. And that's new on the list. And then this one's new on the list. Now we're headed all the way up. What Maslow says is the meaning of life. The next one's aesthetic needs. In other words, I need my space to be beautiful. I want my space to be clean. I want my life to be beautiful and, and, and pleasing. And this is where I want a nice car. I want a nice house. I want somebody to compliment what I'm wearing. I want, uh, you know, I want, I, I want, I want somebody to look at me. I, this is aesthetic. And then Maslow put at the very top. Listen close. I'm going somewhere. I know it's a lot. At the very top, he put what he called self-actualization. And he thought this was the highest. And self-actualization, he said, if you'll get here, you'll find the meaning of life. Self-actualization is realizing I'm the best at this thing. It's the peak of your experiences. It's what some of you men think about your football college career. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, I'm, I was the best. Boy, you should have seen me. In, I mean, I'm, I'm a 42 ways now, but you should have seen me in high school. You know, I was something. Boy, I was, I was my peak. You know, I was, you know, and you got film, you know. and you, I mean, yeah, boy, you're something. And you want, listen, and, and Maslow, uh, he thought, when I get to the top where I realize, man, my life is important, then you would find the meaning of life. But that's not it. 
And psychologists now have added a level on the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Listen, and all psychiatrists agree, the top of, the, of, of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs is what they call transcendence. Transcendence says this, it's the greatest need of a person's life. It's not food. It's not shelter. It's not safety. It's not love. It's not acceptance. It's not beauty. It's not even importance. The greatest need of a person's life for your life to matter is transcendence. It's the greatest life you can live when you look beyond you and you help someone else. Now, psychiatrists agree, if you can ever get your life to there. I wish somebody would have come up with that theory. Wait. I could have swore I read sometime that if you'll bear much fruit, my joy will be in you. And your joy will be complete. You want to find meaning in life? Psychologists now agree, they always have, they always will. They'll agree with the Bible that the greatest life you can live is not about you. Real fulfillment comes when I do something for God. Real joy doesn't come from making a lot of money. It, it doesn't come from having a lot of stuff. It doesn't come from having a lot of pleasure. Real joy comes from knowing that my life matters. That something in my life really matters. That I did something that matters. Now listen, all that stuff's good. And you need to be important. You need to do that sort of stuff. But the thing I love about this church, listen, I'm going somewhere. i got to hurry. Uh, the thing I love about this church is there are people who fill this church up week after week after week after week. Who they, They've made it to the top that their life is important. But, but they've gone that one extra level where they go, you know what? There's something else that my life's supposed to do. And they found transcendence. And they found that now my life's making a difference for eternity. Now I'm changing somebody else's life. And you can be good at your thing. Listen, you can be good at doing the thing you're doing. But I want you to find the thing you're called to do. All right. Now I know you've already written down three things because you need three things. Because y'all won't go home till I give you three points. So I'm going to give you three things today that you can find freedom. You can find, I'm sorry, you can find fulfillment in God's family. Here's the first one. Here's how you know you find fulfillment in God's family. It's, it begins with a calling. It begins with a calling. It begins with a calling. If I could teach nothing else to you from now to the rapture of the church, I would teach you this, that God has called you to greatness. God has called you to something bigger than yourself. That you are called by God. You don't know me, Pastor. I come from the back side of no. I'm from the south side. Come on, I'm from that west side. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, you don't know where I come from. You don't know the family I come from. You don't know how much I've messed up. You don't know how many times I've, I've had to go back to God and ask for forgiveness. No, I'm telling you, with all of your mess, look into my eyes and here, let me tell this over you. You are called by God to greatness. I'll show it to you. 2 Timothy says it like this. God saved us. That's that first thing. And then he called us to this holy work. We didn't have anything to do with it. It was all God's idea. A gift that God prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. You know what I love about this passage? Brandon, it says, before you ever chose God, God said, I'll choose him. Before you ever picked God, God said, I got something for you to do. Before you ever decided to make your life make a difference, God said, it doesn't really matter, Matthew, how long it takes you. I've put a calling on the inside of you. It may take you 40 years to bump around and figure it out and decide how long good. But when you finally run into it, your eyes are going to be open and you're going to go, man. 
man, this is what I was made for. I'm called to something. You got a calling in your life. Calling is what inspires you to get out of bed every morning. Calling is what's critical to realign yourself. And you realize, oh, I'm supposed to do something here. I'm not supposed to get up and make money with my life. I'm not supposed to keep buying cars and houses and getting raises. My life's supposed to matter. God called me. God called you. I want you to hear. God called you. Now, some of you are doing important work. Some of you are very smart, and you do incredible things with your life. Randall is a, is a roofer, owns, owns a roofing company in our church. He's a phenomenal man for decades now. He's climbed on roofs in the Texas sun. Why? Anyway, it's hot, and he's, and, but he, and he's, and he's extremely successful, and he's helped my family, and, he, and, and he's wonderful, and if you need a roofer. But listen, roofing just pays the bills, but there's a calling of God in your life. And you may get up every day and put roofs on somebody's building, but that's not what's going When you go to bed at night and lay your head down, that didn't give you fulfillment. There's something God, every time you put a roof on it, I know you. I know when you knock on the door. I know when somebody opens it up, and their lives are devastated, and they feel like they lost everything. You're able to tell them, hey, listen, I'll fix you. Your roof but God can fix your heart there's something on the inside of you and you share hope with people that you find that's calling that's calling I know that you're an officer Morgan I know I know that you got I know this is what you do with your life you're an incredible SAPD come on these are heroes everybody these are heroes to us heroes put on a uniform every day your wife sends you out in a bulletproof vest nobody else's wife has to do that every day and you, can, you there's some days you may not can come home I mean it's it's bad it's tough out there but God's got a calling on you you may have to enforce some laws and lock some people up and put some people in the back of the car but I know you well enough to know when that fellow's in the back of the car weeping because he got picked up again on the same drug charge you're going to tell him hey listen I got to do what I got to do but God's got bigger plans for you that's the calling of God in your life that's calling. That's calling. That's not career. That's not what I get paid to do. That's the stuff that gets me up every morning and called to do. I'm called to do this. I'm called. To, are, you, are you still with me, everybody? I'm called to do this. Here's the calling. I didn't write it on the screen, but write it in your notes. I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. Number two. It starts with a calling, and it stands on a cause. That's number two. It stands on a cause. It's not about climbing mountains or writing bestsellers. It's about doing something that makes a difference for eternity. And you make a whole bunch of money putting roofs on buildings. and You can get a whole lot of accolades and promotions. At the San Antonio Police Department, but you're called to make a difference for eternity. That's what God's called you to do. M making a difference has to be centered on eternity, not temporary, not, not just my stuff. Not just, well, I'm supposed to do this because this is what pays the bills. No, no, no. Our calls is to serve the one who saved me. That's my calling. Our cause has to be focused on what he focuses on. Our cause as people, Acts 20 and 24 says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it to finish the work that God gave me to do. My life doesn't really matter. Listen, you can go to 
You can go to your grave as a, as a great, I, I mean, I, I, really, honestly, change the world. Be a school teacher. Own your own construction business. Be an esthetician. I'm going to get my eyebrows done when you get licensed. <laughs> That's not eternal. Find the thing that God's called you to do to affect eternity. Because my life really is worth nothing to me unless I finish. Well, tell me, what the, tell me what the work is. Okay, it's the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Why you got, why you got a captive audience and you over there threading that eyebrow. <laughs> and they're pouring out their heart in your chair and you tell them, hey, honey, listen, I'll make you look good, but God's the only one that could fix this. That's calling. That's fulfillment. That's fulfillment. So, so I want to make a difference doing something that makes a difference. Now, listen, here's the last one. We're, they're already playing the sad music. Here's how this is, I, I got to wrap up this whole series in one statement. And if I can get you here, I can get you to live fulfilled. And that's, you'll finally walk in the promise of fulfillment and restoration when it spreads from me to we. From me to we. I will bring you out. That's me. I will free you from being slaves to them. That's me. I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. That's me. And then I will put you in a group of people where you can be fruitful. I'm going to put you with a bunch of other people who can help you. John Maxwell, the great leadership expert in his book, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, calls it the law of Mount Everest. It goes like this. As the challenge escalates, the need for a team elevates. Let me teach it to you like this. You may can get to base camp on your own, but you won't summit Everest on your own. And there, there are a lot of Christians, listen to me, looking at my eyes in church today. You've made it to base camp on your own, but God's called you to scale Everest. God's called you to make a difference with your life. God's called us all to do something in this world. And the world's getting darker and darker and colder and colder. And God's calling the church like never before to be difference makers. And if it's going to be you, it's got to move from me to we. God, what can you do for me? God, what can you? God, no, 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 no. God, what could you do if I get connected to this family? God, what could you do if I go all in? God, what could you do? It, it, my tithing isn't much, but man, when we're all generous, we can change the world. Man, my gift isn't that much, but when we all serve in our gift, man, we can change the world. What happens when it goes from me to we? Ecclesiastes 4 and 9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. In other words, we can accomplish more together than we can apart. Same passage says that one could put a thousand to flight, but two could put ten thousand to flight. There's something about us. There's something about us. So let me give you the final promise and then I'll pray for you. I want you to write it down just like this. The promise of fulfillment in a family is this. I want to make a difference. I, I, had, to, I had to sum it down into one statement. I want to make a difference. Doing something that makes a difference with people who want to make a difference. 
if God could give you the end of, if God could give you the whole purpose of your life, it's this. I want you to make a difference. Doing something that actually makes a difference with a bunch of other people who want to make a difference. And look at me. If you'll do that, Jesus promises you my joy will be in you and I'll make your joy complete. At one point, Jesus says it like this, that he puts the lonely, he sets the lonely in families. If you're here today, this is my close. The altar call is this. Look into my eyes. I want to be that family. I'm asking you to let us be that family to you. I feel like the world's getting so polarizing that I have to preach this way the rest of the year. Because I don't know what's coming. This is not prophecy about doom and gloom. I'm just telling you, where the world's headed, we need each other. Where the world's headed, we need family. Not the church you attend on Sundays. Not, not the internet preacher you send money to. <laughs> not, not, you know, your internet pastor you watch on Sundays. By the way, internet pastors don't come to your bedside when you're sick. But anyway, that's beside the point. Not, not the church you hop to this week, and then I go there on Monday, and then on Tuesdays I go over there, and then on Wednesdays we go to that. Then on Thursdays they have a ministry over here, and, I like, and then on Fridays they do this, and then on Saturdays I go to this church. And every other Sunday I go to City Hills. Now listen, I understand you like to get fed from multiple sources, but there's nothing like family. And you need family. This... this this is how you find fulfillment. You can hop around all you want to and not be fulfilled. But God says, I want to put you in a family where you can make a difference. Doing something that actually makes a difference with a bunch of other people who want to make a difference. Bow your heads, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for um, this church family. I thank you for what they mean and how they have become family to so many. I thank you for the dream team, the amazing dream team that serve and love and give and support. I thank you for people who give financially. They, they put the work of God first, that ministry can happen, that lives could be changed here and around the world. I thank you for small group leaders who open their homes and their schedules and they pastor other people encourage them, strengthen them, help them to do life together. I thank you for greeters who open the door today for somebody who needs hope. And it seems so simple to just smile and high five, but they made a difference. I thank you for musicians who are on the stage behind me today who practice this week and learn their material and give you excellence. Singers who give you excellence every week because they wanted to create an atmosphere distraction free where people could encounter the presence of the living God and they made a difference I thank you for kids workers who right now are teaching Hazel and Henry all of our amazing kids how to love God how to love others how to do their best how to have fun I thank you that they're difference makers. I thank you for student leaders who are leading teenagers in, in the rockiest part of their life when they're trying to discover who they really are, who are pointing them to Jesus, telling them there's hope 
giving them a strong foundation to become godly adults. They're making a difference. I thank you for ushers who sat people today in chairs to hear the preached word of God. They made a difference. God, I pray for people in the room today who are struggling with fulfillment. Now, this is for you. Who, if you're honest with yourself, you've chased happiness more than anything else. Just the next pleasure, the next thing, the next dollar, the next job, the next church, the next relationship. And you're here today, and the Holy Spirit's talking to you, and you know there's more to this. I want to I be fulfilled. I want a life that makes a difference. If that's you, I'm just asking you to go all in. I'm asking you in this prayer to make a decision. Now, it's not doesn't sound spiritual, but boy, it is to decide, you know what, this is family. I'm going to join the church tonight. I'm going to get on a team. I'm going to get in a small group. I'm going to do life with these. I'm going to get planted here. God's going to bless my life. And joy is going to come back to me. I promise you this, so help me God. Hear this promise. If you'll do it, His joy will be in you. And your joy will be complete. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.